1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs, and I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators can utilize the power of service learning to redesign education. Today's show, we're going to explore how young people, teachers, and administrators are addressing diversity, equity, and inclusion through caring and committed conversations, and how we have young people tackling these challenging topics through service learning. You know, over the past year, we've seen a renewed energy around discussions of race and equity, both in our schools and in our communities, The protests surrounding the killing of black and brown people across the United States has ignited some change in our curriculum, but it has sparked a renewed energy around these important conversations in our school systems. And with that, the acknowledgement that our teachers need to have the skills um, to facilitate difficult conversations with our students. So today, joining me, I have um, to take a deeper dive into this topic. um, We have Zara Ali. Zara is a freshman at Augsburg University and a member of NYLC's Youth Advisory Council, where she leads youth and adult trainings on topics including service learning, youth adult partnerships, and equity in education. Um, as a high school student, uh, Zara put her service learning experience to use and took action on education inequity in her high school by hosting conversations on race um, with students, teachers, and administrators, um, striving to have a real impact on school culture. And then joining Zara, we have Sarah Miller and Malik Pierre. Um, Malik and Sarah have been evolving their own story for the past 15 years. In 2018, they formed a date partnership, um, which is diversity, awareness training with an emphasis on equity. Um, They both have a great passion for being involved in the process of creating schools, communities, and families, and individuals who honor and celebrate differences. Um, Malik um, is a licensed mediator, a restorative practices trainer, and an intercultural development inventory administrator. And yes, I had to practice saying that. Um, Sarah has been a teacher for 28 years, and she's her district Culturally responsive teaching specialist, along with an instructional coach, behavioral specialist, and the American Indian Parent Advisory Coordinator. Oh my goodness, each of you wears so many hats, and I'm so excited to tap into your knowledge and expertise on this important topic. Welcome to the show, everyone. So, Zara. Um, I would love to start with you if we could and have you share a little bit more about yourself and where your commitment to education equity came from, kind of what experiences led you to want to address this important issue.
2: Thank you, Amy. Um, yeah, uh, I've done a lot of work around uh, education equity and uh, helping young people really share their voice to speak out on issues uh, around uh, education and equity, especially in response to race uh, and gender issues. Um, but all of that really stems from my own experiences and my unique educational experience. Uh, When I was very young, I went to a Muslim charter school that was mostly Somali and Arab students uh, and up until fourth grade, but then I moved to uh, a new town, a new city where the entire school system was majority white students and teachers and administration. And that was a really huge shift for me. And growing up in that majority white institution, um, I really had to make a lot of uh, reality calls to myself um, and deal with issues of identity. Um, And once more students and more Somali students started moving into my city, I was really forced to come to terms with um, who I am and who I want to be and the work that I want to complete in this world. Uh, And as a result of that, I've uh, sort of worked with uh, fellow students and administrators, especially uh, in my junior and senior year of high school to create a model for our school, Uh, around uh, issues of education inequity and addressing those issues. Um, But yeah, yeah, that's just me.
1: (laughs) That's a great, and yes, thank you. Thank you, Zara. Um, Sarah, how about you? Can you share a little bit more about your background, um, where you're from, your teaching experience, all of those amazing titles that you carry? (laughs) I'd love to,
3: Amy, Um, thanks. Uh, Well, I grew up in Aurora, Minnesota, which is a small Iron Range town in northern Minnesota. After high school, I went to Bemidji State University. And then I was hired in Jordan, Minnesota in 1993. I earned my master's degree in educational leadership and um, my admin licensure. Then in 2015, I completed my culturally responsive teaching certificate from St. Mary's University. And that really has been the most transformational 15 credit certification that I've earned in my teaching career. During my coursework, we were constantly in conversation about biases and preferences, pet peeves, um, and the impact that those had on our instruction and in creating a classroom environment. I was learning a whole nother level, a deeper level of self-reflection. I was co-teaching at the time also, and and my partner teacher, she embraced what I was learning. And after every class, we were implementing new strategies and adding to our curriculum. And honestly, our students were thriving um, from the changes we were implementing um, since then, I've received my licensure to provide restorative practice train, training. Um, I attended a powerful weekend training in California, uh, it's uh, HeartMath, from the Heart Math Institute. Um, at Jordan, I've taught grades one through eight, and um, I'm, like you said, currently the behavior specialist at the elementary school. Um, The culturally responsive specialist for K-12 and I'm proud of our district for having that position. It's um, a position they took on, I think, four years ago. So, and um, my other roles um, include the American Indian ed coordinator and also after learning coordinator. And finally, uh, sometime in the next four or five years, I'll finish my doctorate in administrative leadership.
1: Wow. (laughs) Um, That's, it's quite a resume, I just have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. A lot of different hats and very important work. Um, Malik, how about you? Can you share um, with our listeners just a little bit about your background? And I'd love to hear um, the experiences that led you to this work.
4: Absolutely. I'm only going to take off a few hats um, in this this (laughs) introduction. Yeah. um, With me, uh, I spent most of my life um, in the music industry, um, traveling, writing songs, being on tour. Uh, Like I said, we toured with uh, Beyonce and Usher and just a lot of big names. Um, So I spent a lot of my time in the music industry. One thing I did learn in my experience with the music industry is that how important education was. Like trying to read those contracts, it was like, it, it blew my mind. So I signed bad deal after bad deal after bad deal. So I think that really motivated me after I um, exited the music industry is to want to get back into education. I want to really be intelligent and and have knowledge to understand how to comprehend reading. So that was kind of like my drive in getting back into education. So um, met Sarah, we became good friends. She was working at the school. There was an opportunity for me to come down and work with the youth at a summer school program uh, just about music and uh, creative language and um, teaching them how to use metaphors and beats and rhythm and things like that. I kind of fell in love with working with the youth. So that was my drive to get back into school, went back, uh, got my GED. Um, and I've been just keeping the truck in ever since. I have my bachelor's degree uh, in liberal arts, uh, equity and inclusion. I'm going for that master's degree in uh, social education. Um, and when I transferred, I went to um, Metro State University and that was the best thing that ever happened to me is going to that uh, college. I met some great professors that were very, very historians. There was knowledge, they had energy, and I just thrived at Metro State. So I ended up meeting um, some professors that uh, they introduced me to freedom schools. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with freedom schools, but I got introduced to freedom schools as a summer school program for youth, kind of like reading and language and things like that. So I absolutely fell in love. Uh, with the Freedom School, I love what they were about. They were about using your voice. They were about expression. They was about uh, cultural relevance and identity and all this stuff. And I loved it. And I was just like, wow, why, why don't we have this in the public schools? So how could we bring this, your enlightenment, you know what I mean, to public schools? And so uh, Sarah and I uh, had a conversation. We was like, let's try to get an equity position in uh, Jordan Public Schools. We made that happen. Um, I became the equity specialist. We started implementing programs um, that, that was for the youth. And I know we're going to get into that uh, in, more in the conversation, but that's kind of like my story. And so it's, it's very unique. And, 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 um, and I'm in a good place. I'm, I'm excited about where I'm at uh, with my profession and what I'm doing with it. And I love who I'm doing it with. And again, thank you for this opportunity for us to reach these people through the speakers.
1: Absolutely. Um, I need to know, Malik. Okay, so you threw out a lot of names. So um, were you an individual artist? Were you part of a group? Um, You know, when you were in the music industry, would, you know, if people want to look you up, (laughs) kind of what was your.
4: Yeah. Yeah, the name of the group is called VIP Bad Boys of R&B. I repeat, VIP Bad Boys of R&B. So, yeah, you can look us up. You can Google us. Um, (laughs) But I will say that the record label interscopes and UTP records, they own all of our masters. So they really uh, suppressed a lot of um, opportunities for us when we left the industry. Um, so because they owned all the masters and all the royalties and things like that. So they did censor a lot of our music and, um, and things like that. And we don't have the copyrights to go back and, you know, and fight it that way, but you can definitely look up and see the body of work. Uh, we also are into films and things like that. We shot a movie here in Minnesota called same girl. Uh, we had, again, we brought in students from the school district. We brought in community members. So that was a lot of fun, too, so we're venturing off into uh the film industry and trying to do something locally when we can have y- youth writers and uh illustrators um, directors you know just all across the board. We're just trying to you know just stay motivated, stay active out here in the communities and just have fun with it and give these uh, the next generation uh, um an opportunity to grow with us
1: That's awesome so. Check them out, guys. Um, We're going to take a brief pause, and when we return, we're going to continue our conversation and dive into race and equity. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. Voice of American Power Radio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
5: It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America
6: Empowerment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muir's. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org.
1: Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, today, I'm joined by three amazing individuals. Um, we have Sara Ali. She's a student at Augsburg University and an amazing change maker. And we have Malik Pierre and Sarah Miller. And they're the masterminds behind the DATE partnership, which is diversity awareness training with an emphasis on equity. So, again, guys, thanks for being here with me today. Um, Sarah, I want to jump back in. Um, You've been a teacher for nearly 30 years. I would love to hear more about your experience um, using service learning, whether it's in in the classroom or outside the classroom, what has that looked like for you?
3: Well, it's been a wonderful journey. Um, And I'd say I'll start with the out of school experiences because that's really my foundation. And I I was raised in a a family that was um, just service and learn, learning orientated. My parents instilled in um, me and my sister, or my sister and I, um, uh, a dedication to community. And, and they did that by role modeling, by being active and engaged um, members of the community. They were school board, church board, uh, club leaders. And, and at our table, I think the thing that I remember the most is our table, uh, dinner table was lively discussions about current events and um, social justice issues. Um, and really, this uh, learning and service in, in the family were kind of synonyms for living. So um, then it was about 10 years into my career down here at Jordan, I met a dynamic and passionate woman. And now I get to call her a friend and that's Maddie Wagner. Um, She's my kindred spirit when it comes to service as a way of living. Uh, She invited me to um, create and teach um, professional development for teachers on service learning um, with her when she was working at South Metro. And then she invited me to write curriculum with her when she, or as she was working at uh, National Youth Leadership Council. Um, And then we got our craziest idea ever. um, And that was to create a student run coffee house we called a cup of knowledge. And uh, after hours, um, nonprofit school programming that we called goals, get out and learn something. And I have to say those were some of the most rewarding, surprising, challenging um, years of my educational journey. And and it was service learning at its finest. And then I met Malik and we started our journey in service learning, um, deep into service learning with the formation of our diversity and equity leadership crews at the school here. And from those groups our caring and committed conversations um, grew and took off. Um, So really I've been blessed to have been partnered with two of the most dedicated and passionate people for education and service and and equity. And then I've been fortunate to be um, raised in a family that just, that was a way of living.
1: I appreciate um, how you um, talked about how you're um, within your home that current events and social justice were just, co- you know, topics of conversation, you know, so when we, you know, we're going to talk more about caring and committed conversations, um, but how important that is um, to have those conversations in our own homes. Um, like I say, I very much appreciate that that, uh, that you started with that. Um, Malik, I would love, um, can you, you talked a little bit of how you and Sarah met um, and the idea of freedom schools, but can you um, share with us where the diversity awareness training, where that grew out of and how that um, that connection, tell us more about that connection?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing that I did notice that it's almost like, you know, it, you, You know, life has this cycle, it has a way of repeating things, you know, so I saw a lot of repetition in the schools with the students that I saw in myself when I was in school. And one of them was this identity crisis that, you know, I was facing because I wasn't being, I didn't see myself, you know, in the curriculum. I didn't see myself in lesson plans. I didn't see myself, you know, represented in the books and in uh, uh, subjects and things like that. So we were like, wow, we we really wanted to do something in that area. So why not try to create a platform where you know students and you know staff in the community can bring their experiences to the to the platform and create that reality. And so that's the one thing that we really, really strived and wanted to do. And because I started seeing like I saw a lot of that identity crisis with our, our youth and some of those kids in the high school, um, middle school, and even at the elementary level. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, is this situational or is this generational? So I was like reliving my own life working with these kids. So that's the beauty thing about um, when you have people who share that same energy and that passion that you share with doing this work. So we was like right on it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we've never, and we haven't stopped since, but that's kind of like that heartbeat that, that we have with this. Um, yeah, so that was a strong purpose and a desire is to create that diversity work around uh, some of my own personal experiences as a, a student when I was young and then seeing some of those same, you know, generational situations, outcomes that these students are going to. So it really motivates me.
1: Wonderful. Obviously, those connections are so important. Finding that person that um, helps um, fuel the passion and energy around these things. Um, can you share with us about the dialogue, the protocol that you guys um, use, the training? Of what does it look like? Like, how did you develop it? Well, we started, uh,
3: well, first of all, we've been in classes and going to school ourselves, uh, it seems like forever. And so in my culturally responsive teaching class, I learned about Glenn Singleton's courageous conversations. And then I believe in one of Malik's um, classes, he was learning about mindfulness. And then we learned about intercultural communication. And so those are the foundations um, and people we used as inspiration to create our own model. And so what what the process is, is we meet with our equity leadership crew every month and they brainstorm topics that they would like to discuss with teachers, administration, and community members. And once we pick our topic, for instance, our first topic that we started with was how does race impact learning? And when we, uh, then we generate uh, topic questions. So everybody um, will start reflecting about race and learning. And um, then we pick a story starter. One of the students will be a story starter at the actual conversation. Then we invite the staff and community members and administration. And on the day of the conversation, um, Malika, Malik and I, or community member, will have a 15-minute educational piece. And that educational piece just brings more knowledge to the subject. And we um, definitely discuss terms. So everybody has the same definition. So for our first conversation, we had to define race. We had to define racism, prejudice, stereotyping, discrimination. Um, And then we lay out some facts to give our um, conversation some form. And then at that moment, we probably have about four tables filled with seven to 10 participants. And a student starts with sharing their story. And um, then when they're finished sharing their story, it's the group's responsibility to ask questions. And we really intentionally called our, Um, caring and committed conversations because to engage in these types of conversations, you have to care and you have to be committed to the people. And so um, after they share their story, we ask questions and asking questions is one way to show you care to get deeper understanding of the person and their story. And so once they're done sharing their story the questions, another person just organically starts their conversation. At the end of the conversation, after about an hour of everybody at the tables talking, we have a summarizer go around and um, tell them we have five minutes left. We end the conversation with people, one person from every table summarizing, And then finally, after we listen to all the summaries, we try to come up with some truths that we can all agree upon, at least three. And the the truth might be that it's important to have conversations and that everybody can agree on that and that we have some common ground that we're leaving. It's really important to also know that these conversations are transformational and the action plan is personal. So, just by coming to the conversation and participating, there's going to be some transformations that if you allow to happen, and the action plan is completely your journey with yourself and others. Um, yeah, so that's our conversations.
1: It sounds absolutely, I'm it aligns, aligns beautifully with the service learning process as you were describing it. I'm thinking about, you know, the investigation. And, you know, the planning and preparing and taking action. I kind of the students are going through this amazing process and the amount of youth voice that's incorporated in and the ownership. um, I can see how um, The students would um, feel empowered, and you're creating a safe space for them. So, um, we're gonna take, we're gonna hear more, but we're gonna take another quick break. Um, And when we come back, we're gonna continue our conversation. Um, We're gonna hear from Zara, and we'll continue to learn more from Sarah and Malik. Um, So, stay with us. Um, We're uh, on the Power of Young People to Change the World, Voice America Empowerment Radio. Again, we'll be right back.
0: Visit nylc.org to learn more today.
5: Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self?
6: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back everyone. Um, Again, if you're just joining us, um, today we're discussing caring and committed conversations and how teachers and students are addressing race and equity in their schools and communities. And we're gonna jump right back in and invite Zara um, to share um, what was happening in your high school um, and how did you use the, the dialogue to address education inequity?
2: By the time I'd gotten to high school, there was really a growing student, uh, a growing population of students of color. um, And there wasn't really any meaningful change done to our education system to address any of the needs of those students. Um, And by the time the 2016 election had rolled around and there was a lot more racism and Islamophobia um, that was growing really in our uh, school's climate, uh, the students had had enough And we started to use dialogue in our uh, by starting smaller clubs that focused on uh, student that were student led that focused on uh, what we wanted to see and sort of sharing our experiences. But they really kind of fell apart because they were all student led and there still wasn't any changes being done in our school administration. Um, So we had sort of split up then at the end of my 10th grade year and we were all really worried about. Uh, how we would go back into uh, the next school year and if there was going to be any changes happening. Um, And around that time, actually around the end of that school year, uh, a group of students in our Black Student Union had the opportunity to attend one of Jordan's Caring and Committed Conversations, and they took a lot of notes. Um, And I was uh, getting some leadership training and uh, training on how to address education equity through the NYLC as a part of their youth advisory council. So it really was uh, a bit of luck that brought it all together. Um, Over the summer, I had contacted my principal and assistant principal who was sort of uh, sympathetic to our cause. And we talked about how we really wanted to set up something. And he introduced me to the group of students who had gone to visit Jordan. Um, And we shared notes and we came up, we brainstormed over the summer. And by the time we had gone back to school that year, we sort of had an idea for our own model of caring and committed conversations. Um, And dialogue was really important for us because a lot of the students didn't have a way to cope or vent um, about their experiences. And at first we really wanted to uh, Create a space where they would uh, feel safe sharing those experiences. Uh, a lot of students had sadly been uh, harassed or attacked because of uh, either their skin color, their uh, religious affiliation, or other uh, things like that. And we really wanted to give those students a platform to share their experiences because a lot of our inform- a lot of our administration was aware of it, but only in periphery. Um, so by having them meet the students face-to-face on the table and really listen to what they were going through on a daily basis and how that was adding stress to the already stressful years of high school, uh, that's where we really started to see change.
1: Thank you for sharing that, Sarah. Um, You talked about there was a caring, sympathetic, um, I think you said teacher, that you were able to connect with um, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about what's it like um, as a student taking this idea to your teachers to your to your administration um, how do you rally other students um, to to want to participate um, in these conversations that are so important
2: Before we had started working with our administration students had already sort started- of, connected with each other and sort of bonded over shared experiences. I remember specifically there was one student and I who had the same experience where we'd be walking home from school and we'd be heckled by students on their driving home from school, uh, yelling, shouting, throwing things at us, and we sort of bonded over experiences like that. Um, And that's how we really connected with other students. Um, But we were, were really scared to bring it up to our administration, we were afraid that we would be met with a lot of the same treatment that we had gotten from our our fellow students. Um, but really, it was a breath of relief and a big surprise, actually, when one of our teachers was just so... Uh, excited to be doing this work uh, because, again, they had known about it uh, and they really wanted to address the work, but they were afraid that they wouldn't get any response from students. And really that fear is what had kept progress from happening for so long. So once we were able to bridge that connection, uh, a lot of uh, positive things came out of it. We created safe spaces for students to share and made things safer for uh, kids who weren't going through the same things that we had.
1: Thank you. Did you um, did you run into any challenges along the way um, with with making this happen?
2: A couple. Um, some students were still had their reservations about sharing everything with the teachers, mm-hmm. um, and teachers as well uh, had some reservations about being put in this position where they were like sort of an equal playing field with uh, the students. Um, but once the Once the teacher was actually there and once the students were there and having this conversation and sharing their stories and having uh, these constructive questions and starting to understand each other's experiences, those challenges sort of uh, seem to just, you know, disappear. And you were talking to someone as another human being and really connecting to them because you were both human. Um, Another big one was keeping the same positive space, safe space we had created uh, during the dialogues, keeping that going during just the regular school day was an issue that we still continue to face, um, but we've made some changes uh, to address that as well.
1: Thank you. So Malik or Sarah, um, if you, one of you, like um, obviously creating a safe space is a huge um, part of um, being able to have these types of conversations. So, um, what kind of results have you guys seen with the use of the protocol? Um, what have you heard from your students, from those administrators, from your teachers?
4: Well, we—I um, think we've been getting great feedback because we are extremely intentional about the direction that we want to go. And if we want to, if we're going to be crossing over barriers and building bridges, then we got to be very intentional because we all have agreed that we want quality education for all our students. So we wanted all of our students to have that, um, kind of like have that opportunity. So when we speak equity, we have the language of equity. We are very, very consistent, not only with the language, but with how we activate it, you know, how we, how, how we live it, how the school breeds it. You know what I mean? And things like that. Um, and so I just think that for us, we've been extremely consistent all across the board. I mean, we, um, we're we very consistent with our language. The kids, uh, the ELC kids, the middle school kids, and even elementary kids, they know our language, you know, uh, by what we do in the classroom and the opportunity and the resources that we offer the staff, um, the continuance of being in, in the classroom, being present, you know, with the experience, you know, just getting outside of Jordan and taking them uh, to experience reality outside of Jordan, bringing people in with different uh, perspectives and different voices. We're so consistent across the board because one thing we said about what we were gonna do with equity and diversity in our district was we're gonna make sure that every student is seen, heard, and represented. And every staff member and every student should know If you're being seen, that means you're being recognized. If you're being heard, that means you're being understood. If you're being represented, means you've been advocated for. Bottom line, that's what we're about. Equity, no one is above accountability and loyalty. So we, we stand behind that and we're very consistent with it.
3: I think also Amy, some of the results that we see with the conversations is a sense of empowerment. Our students, their voices, are being heard and um, it's changing practice. Like in the classroom, um, not that it's a set way how you're going to change practice, but our teachers and our administrators, they're hearing what our students are saying and it's touching them. And it's also, so it's giving our students a sense of purpose and a sense of empowerment and it's empowering our teachers and administrators and community members to have that Um, sense of purpose too. And so it's bringing us together. So I think the results and and it's a change of practice. We have, like Malik said, to make sure the kids are seen, heard, and represented. Um, We're creating new curriculum and curriculum that adds narratives. We're creating curriculum that all of our students see themselves and hear their voices in the curriculum. Um, And administration has been key on this. They've been extremely supportive of these conversations. In fact, they're asking us now um, when we get back into regular school, when are we starting the conversations again? So I think some of those are some of the results that we're seeing too.
1: That's awesome. When you think about, um, how it's becoming really part of the school culture, right? <laughs> like, So it's, it's part of what they want and see um, that's empowering students, which is so important. Um, before we had to break, maybe Sarah, could you share just um, how, what does a training look like for teachers um, in order to be able to do this? Um,
3: yeah, well, Malik and I, we come in and we spend, um, it's about a two hour training. And then, so we get the the administration and the teachers and the students that want to participate in a caring and committed conversation. They come and they they go through the two hour, or yeah, the two hour training, and then we help host the first conversation with them. So we walk them through the whole process because we do have agreements and we have guidelines for the conversation and we want everyone to really understand the essence of those agreements and guidelines.
4: And also so when I'm going to cut you off but I just want to, I don't want to make sure we miss this point when they come through the training we we have our own structured way of doing the biases training uh, listening styles Uh, you know, those P's that we probably, you know, that we have the power, uh, the equity P's of training that we implement um, and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's, it's some deep rooted work that goes inside of that two hours of training.
1: Absolutely. I mean, just the words. um, Obviously, you you talked about how important the words are and the consistency of words, but the listening, the communication, the empowerment, identity, you know, all of those things that, um, that really inspire and empower and lift up our young people and their voices. So I'm I'm really sorry, but we gotta take one last short break. And then when we come back, we're gonna wrap up our conversation with Sarah um, Malik and Zara. Um, so stay with me, Amy Muir's on the power of young people to change the world. And remember, um, you can always follow the show on social media at NYLCORG or find us at NYLC.org. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America
0: TRN. Visit nylc.org to learn more today.
5: Things Worth Considering, featuring hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment.
6: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.
0: listening to the power of young people to change the world with amy muirs to find out more about amy and the national youth leadership council please visit nylc.org now back to the
1: show Welcome back, everyone. Um, In our last few minutes um, of the show today, I want to get some um, final reflections from each of our guests. Um, So Sarah, maybe we'll start with you um, and have you share what advice do you have for teachers um, or administrators who want to bring these type of conversations, this work, um, to their school? Um, Can you share how um, how we should engage our teachers?
3: Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, you have to accept that this type of um, training becomes a way of living. It's it's a way of life because um, you start knowing better and then you constantly have to start doing better and then you start knowing better and you have to do better. And it's it's never ending. And you never really in this field, become an expert, you become um, a constant practitioner. So um, be open to that. I think sometimes in education, we, we want a right and a wrong and we want um, to check things off a list. And there's no checking anything off a list. This is a constant evolving of oneself and their practice. So and if you're um, interested in uh, having training with Malik and I, you can get a hold of us with, at uh, datewithdiversity at gmail.com. Um, and, and really, it is also engaging in conversation, engaging in life with people that are um, different than yourself, um, and, and seeking perspective. Uh, never be afraid to go out there and Seek perspectives, seek your students' perspectives, ask them. They have opinions and they have thoughts. And, and sometimes it's so surprising how um, they can be so wise at such a young age. Um, so I would say if you're a teacher, embrace the work, embrace the journey, and please don't expect perfection. This is work where your mistakes are going to happen and you're going to apologize and you're going to do better. Um, and so be compassionate with yourself and with others. Um, but life, your own personal life will be enhanced and your professional life.
1: Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Um, Malik, how about you? Final, uh, Reflections or um, suggestions for teachers or administrators, community members who want to see this happen in their schools and communities?
4: Absolutely. I would say, you you know, when you get up in the morning or you um, you take that last look in the mirror before you lay down, you got to really check yourself. Foundation, like your own foundation. I mean, your, 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 in, your intuitiveness about what we're doing and about what you're doing and why you chose to do it. Because when you're a novice to the deeper intelligence or these hard conversation, the first thing I think I've seen with teachers, well, they don't want to do anything until they know everything. You know, then you start to develop this information overload. I say go with that intuition. Go back and check that self-foundation. Look at your value systems. Look at you know, the, your, your skills, believe in yourself. Because one thing about this, what do they say? Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and I just think that, and then um, your circle of trust. I mean, l- look for those DNA matches in the building. Who wants, to, who's, who wants to cross these barriers and build these bridges? Or is it just lip service? I mean, you really have to come down and stand behind the shield of equity and inclusion because there's gonna be so many resistance that's coming from so many different ways, but you always got to stand true to what you really believe in, why you're doing it and who you're doing it with and do it for the greater good. We're trying to uh, uh, pass the torch down to the next generation and send them out there in the real world with some directions, not misdirections. Because while we are um, while we are educating them about real life, real life is happening. So we have to have that conversation. So. I love what we're doing, but that would be my advice uh, with teachers, know who you are, know your value, check yourself foundation, find yourself uh, um, sponsorships and your friendships and the groups like that, and you guys be amazed on what you can do and how you can do it.
1: And believe in yourself. Um, That's something I think each of us needs to hear on a daily basis. Thank you, Malik. Um, Sara, what advice do you have um, for our young people out there um, who want to bring this idea to their school? How how can they go about building that support? How should they engage their teachers? What advice would you give them?
2: Um, For students, I'd really advise them that this is their education. This is their future. These are the building blocks that are going to make them who they are in the future. So really uh, take charge of that. and be proactive in your education. Uh, For starting uh, a student group or a way to um, address education inequity in your own school, um, really I'd recommend for uh, students to uh, connect with teachers, whether that be a teacher that you're really close to, um, just because you have good grades and you talk with them during passing time or something like that. make connections with teachers um, on a personal level, as well as uh, the work that you hope to uh, do in your classes. Um, for building support, really reach out to uh, peers and adults, even if that's just your parents, who are willing to listen to you and who want to support you in your work. Um, and also really take care of yourself. This work is a lot and it's there's this sort of... Uh, belief that comes with it that you're going to change the world now. But it's really just like Sarah said, it's a continuous process. um, And the results aren't always instantaneous. But take care of yourself. um, Make sure that you are mentally and physically healthy while you are doing this work.
1: I just want to thank each of you um, for all of the work that you're doing, um, the impact that you're making, um, the belief that you're giving. and being able to lift up in young people in our teachers, supporting them um, in such in such an important way. So, thank you for being with me here today to talk about all of this. Um, Your work, I mean, again, inspiring and totally changing the world. So thank you to each of you. Um, Again, you can learn more about DATE and Caring and Committed Conversations. Um, You can follow NYLC on social media at NYLC.org. You can read our blog, The Generator, at NYLC.org. And there's a great article um, that we have about um, Malik and Sarah and the work that they're doing. So. I did want to share on last week's show, um, we had two amazing change makers, Walter and Cole, um, the co-founders of Bridgemakers. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen live, um, check out the podcast so you can download it on the Voice America show page or find it on any of your favorite podcast apps. Um, and next week, we're gonna have another great conversation um, with two amazing people, two of my favorite people. So joining me will be Director of Learning and Leadership for NYLC, Um, Julie Rogers Bascom and um, Bella Sullivan, who is a youth advisory council member, a student and change maker. And we're gonna take a deep dive into youth voice and the power of service learning to address social injustices. Um, So we're gonna elevate um, and take what we learned here and bring it to our show next week. So I want everybody to mark their calendars for Thursdays at six o'clock Eastern. and again, you can always download the podcast. And just another quick shout out um, if you want to contact Malik and Sarah, that was at datewithdiversity at gmail.com. Shoot them an email or email me at info at nylc.org. So until next week, don't be afraid to serve, learn, change the world. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.